Welcome to the Growth Stories podcast, hosted by Greenfield Partners. In today's episode, Greenfield Managing Partner Shai Greenfeld speaks with CoreLogic CEO Ariel Asraf about scaling and key KPIs to focus on in current market conditions. I'm sitting here today with uh, Ariel, the CEO of uh, CoreLogic, and um, we're sitting in an interesting time uh, just after we saw uh, quite an interesting correction in the public market. Uh, we see the inflation and the correction that the Fed is trying to do uh, with the with the interest rates uh, we're watching with um, concern the war with Ukraine with the impact on the food and the wheat that is coming from that region and the energy that is coming from that region and of course the supply chain pressures that we're seeing coming from China and, and their response to covid with that there is some uncertainty regarding the uh, recession uh, and the extent of the recession that we might or might not go and, and find ourselves in. Uh, and I thought to uh, sit together with you and Ariel and, and ask, when you as a CEO looking in that in, uh, uncertain environment, what are the key things that you're trying to focus your attention to? First of all, to observe and to understand in what situation you are. And as well as how do you manage the company and, and where do you focus your energy? Yeah, so, you know, looking at, at this environment, there are so many variables. Uh, when you think about the macro environment, um, geopolitical environment, obviously the, the private markets are also, um, a lot of VCs are going to tighten up and instruct their companies to tighten up. So to try and focus on things that we don't have any control of is, is going to be difficult. Uh, we worry about them, but we're not looking at them t- too much. And what we're trying to do is to focus on the, the key KPIs and uh, the North Stars that lead us towards efficiency, that leads us towards you know, ultimately building up a, a, a real profitable business in one of the days. Um, I'm happy that we've done so in the past. And um, all the KPIs that, we're, that I'll talk about now are being measured and in, in the green area in Coralogics for the past three, four years already. Um, so the, the main leading indicator for us for efficiency specifically is, uh, would be the magic number, which is um, really a, a great way to, to measure your efficiency without um, you know, blind spots on uh, money going from marketing to sales and sales to marketing and events and other ways to spend money. Instead of that, you just take all all that you spend on go to market, regardless of of the purpose, uh, in a, in a single quarter, and then take the revenue that you've generated, and that's revenue like clean of of margin mm-hmm. uh, that you generated. Uh, the following revenue, you divide the second by the first, and you get a number. If that number is 0.5 or below, then you need to optimize and probably reduce your spend. Um, or miraculously increase your uh, revenue. Mm-hmm. If that number is between 0.5 to 7.5, then means you're on your way to somewhere. You may need to do some tuning. 0.75 to 1, you're in a good spot. And over 1 used to be higher or more um, because you want to get there between 0.75 to 1. In our market, by the way, you know, most public software companies are around 0.8. Um, I think today in this market... At least what we're trying to do is stay above 1.25. So reason for 1.25 is that there's you're still 
like shifting one quarter. And we want to make sure that whatever we bring in in a single quarter within 12 months, we bring that back that dollar. And the math is simple, right? Because if your margin is 70%, you're making your magic numbers below 0.5. A typical customer for a SaaS company lasts for three years. Then you spend two, uh, $2 to bring $1. Out of those $2, you earned 1.4. So you're basically spinning without, without making any profit. Now, this number breaks into several... Other Before KPIs. you break it, I just want to uh, mention how um, I'm actually I'm, I'm, I agree with you, and I think that that measurement encapsulates in it so much because we get many questions from CEOs that are asking, "How do I balance between growth right now and my runway? How do I balance between growth is and, and my sales efficiency? How do I balance between growth and my valuation in the next round?" And by focusing and basically saying, I'm going to focus on bringing my company to magic number of 1.25, you actually answer all those questions because you answer the question of runway. You, this, this is obviously very, very efficient, so capital will be attracted to your company. Uh, but at the same time, you manage a company that eventually will produce Ibeda. Exactly. So it's um, just like in, in software, by the way, in, in managing R&D. There are so many tasks and so many moving parts and so many infrastructure and software and user experience matters that the best way to go is just to have one North Star, have a vision that's clear to everyone, and everyone follow that vision, and everything is measured against that vision. So what's the one thing or two or three things that I do for my clients, and does that feature serve that? Same way for sales and marketing. For us, it's magic number. Does that serve the magic number? Is that conference going to be cost efficient we're going to send and then i count everything in right we're going to send people we're going to fly them we're going to have a booth we're going to do some marketing in advance we're going to print out some t-shirts we're going to do some customer dinners mm-hmm. how much money am i producing from that and is that is that efficient or not and then so maybe maybe it will be interesting now to break how and what are the levers that you have in order to actually influence magic number. I know before we sat, we started talking about sales enablement, the training of the salespeople, the pricing, the, and, and, and so that I'll, I'll let you actually present some of the items that you're looking at uh, when you're thinking about driving the magic number. So there are, there are five things that we look at and the magic number is comprised of the five. Um, and, you know, we're, software B2B SaaS business that does cloud infrastructure. So obviously I'm going to speak more about sales and less marketing. You know, so the customer acquisition here is, is marginal uh, when you compare it to, to how much business the, the sales teams generate and how much they cost. So first of all, we look at sales efficiency per rep. Okay, How much does that rep cost? What is the supporting factors that a rep need to, to make a sale? Does he have to have an SE assigned to him? Does he need a BDR to produce business for him? Um, how much attention does he take from the, the sales ops mm-hmm. to you know fill in Salesforce and do projections and everything? And then we say, that guy needs to produce 5X on his price. Um, so you know obviously a sales rep that requests more needs to bring in more. You're more experienced, you want more money. Oh, obviously, you've got to bring more, right? Because otherwise, 
why should I hire you and pay more? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the, the, the better your process is, by the way, and we'll talk about that part, but the better your process is, the more freedom you get to do this. Because if the process is not tight enough, you got to have talents, people that can close the deal without process or without perfect market fit. And those people cost more and they do more, they do less quota. Um, so that's, that's one. Number two is who do you hire? So we tend to focus on people from our area of interest, people that work for security companies, for observability companies, for logging companies. And that way the ramp up is shorter because they don't have to learn a domain. There's at least one competitor that they don't have to learn about. And, and that, that makes the ramp up period shorter. So and just maybe less. to jump on that, just to if, if, if the ramp up is three, four, five, six, nine months, the impact on the efficiency is just tremendous. Just months that you have to pay someone that is not producing revenue yet. And, and there's so many contributors to actually inc improve the enablement. One of them is the hiring, where do you bring them for? But they, the other one is the internal process and the teaching and what, are you, what do you do from the moment that you hire them until they're actually fully productive. Of course, and it's, it's even worse than that, by the way, than the spend itself. It makes a longer feedback loop. It just takes more time to understand whether someone's great and it just takes nine months or it's just not a good fit and you wasted nine months. So yeah. the shorter the feedback loop is, and we saw that, very good reps start producing revenue after a month. So if you get to that point, we don't expect that from everyone of yours, but if you get to that point, then within a month, you can know if someone's good or not. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not there yet, but three months is, is good enough. Um, so that's, that's another point. Another point is margin. I mean, so many companies are selling at low margin, and specifically in enterprise software and cloud infrastructure. Uh, I remember one post by Andreessen Horowitz on Twitter talking about how 40% is the new classic margin for SaaS uh, for uh, cloud infrastructure, 40, 50% and lower. And the, the, the thing is that, that this affects the sales efficiency ultimately, right? Because yeah. if I make 5% margin, it, it doesn't even matter. If my sales rep sells 10x of his salary, I'm still not going to earn money. And so um, the margins in CoreLogics, we found that for the bigger deals, we need to bring them to the table with the technical team. We need to bring in the platform engineer or backend manager, even the CTO sometimes, given the spec of the customer, the use case, how much data he has, how much quota, how much retention he needs, and then basically evaluate what's going to be our cost. And they look at all parameters, what discounts can we get on cloud and so on and so forth. And we make sure that we're within the range that we want. So we sustain a, a good margin. Today, we're roughly where the public companies in our sector are. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, the fourth point um, would be, so we, we brought a good rep, we had a good ratio, we ramped up the rep quickly, we sustained decent margins, and now we got to have a process um, to close more deals and not invest too much in deals that we can't close. And of course, focus on the net retention, and actually when you renew them, try exactly. to renew on more products, on additional services, not services, additional products, and, and think about more places where that customer can actually expand to. So that'll be our fifth. Mm. So the fourth would be, uh, when, when we look at a customer, what's the process that we run the customer through to make sure that we achieve a successful POC and sign that customer? Mm 
Right. First of all is identifying the ICP. Is this the right customer, the right size for us? So, for instance, we found that a million-dollar customer takes us double the time it takes us to close a $100,000 customer. Obviously, it makes more sense to, to go on the big ones because our promise is we lower the price by 60 70% compared to competitors. We give better performance and better scale. Yeah. The bigger you are, the more attractive that is for your full-stack observability. So right ICP and then actual process that is transparent to the customer. We first of all agree on the POC criteria on a document that both sides sign. So we agree that there's a POC criteria. If we meet all these parameters, you will continue and sign with us. Number two, we send out a price offer. It's not, he doesn't have to commit to that, but he needs to say, within this ballpark, if you can meet those criteria, I'm going to sign. Now, one thing that we used to be strict on, we very rarely give up, is many customers would say, okay, good demo. I'm going to give you a ticket to participate in my POC. There's going to be three or four other companies. We try to avoid that, actually. We tell the customer, listen, do whatever POCs you have, whatever you want. Get to us when you, once you're done. We'll do our final POC. If we succeed, we continue the production. We're not, we're not willing to go through a POC, invest all those efforts, because POC is the most expensive thing in that, in that cycle and, and what, what builds the, the cost of go-to-market. POC is the most expensive one. It has the sales I, management. I actually, I'm going to, to cut you short on that because I know, I know we're, we're, we're short on time, mm-hmm. but that, that, that confidence that you have to actually come in last is actually hiding a pretty strong point, which is the product and R&D and the heavy reliance and the confidence that you have in the advantage that you have in your product to actually provide your, your product at a lower cost than your competitors which is giving you a lot of confidence to actually come in and, and do exactly. what you do. So I know when we get there last, we give better product, better features, better support, yeah. lower price. Exactly. And the last point, like you mentioned, is net retention. So net reten- retention is the cheapest way to improve your uh, magic number because it's a customer. You already paid all the POC, which is the most expensive part, the customer acquisition, built the relationship, built the procurement legal process. You just need to upsell. So first of all, providing... Very strong support. We commit to under two minutes 24-7 to all our customers on mm-hmm. contract. Mm-hmm. Number two is to create more products. You're already in. What more can you sell? So we start with logs. We expand it to metrics, then tracing, then security, then posture. And we come to the client and say, hey, we're already in. You trust us. You know we're good. How about buying more products? And that's a very quick sales cycle. Now, in CoreLogix, there are account managers. They get assigned to the customer after the sale is done. The sales team is only hunting for new. And they are fully committed to a customer success. They work with the customer success and support teams to make sure that the customer is successful and have touch points every month. And then they create quick deals and give more value to the customer. Ariel, it's it's interesting. I started a call by talking about the uh, uncertainty in the markets, the macro environment, and we found ourselves talking about magic number of 1.25 as an anchor, as a North Star. And that number is hiding so much in it. It's hiding basically the fact that you want to grow, but you want to grow very, very efficient. And that you have an eye on the positive EBITDA of this company and a very, very profitable enterprise. 
I'm always imagining that you're doing like in a DCF in your mind, like the old school, you know, <laughs> looking at how much my company worth by the stream of cash flow that will come at, at, at the end or in the future. I want to thank you. This is actually raising more questions than we answered, but I'm, I'm hoping that our listeners are more curious uh, to, on, on the way that they want to think about how to approach the uncertainty. Um, there are obviously many, many more questions to talk about product market fit that actually drives all that and how do you shift product market fit in different macro environments. But we'll have to actually uh, save that for the next conversation. Maybe wait a couple of months and see how the markets develop and we'll, we'll have more insights to share with our audience. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ariel. Other episodes of the podcast are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends so they can also enjoy the Growth Stories podcast by Greenfield Partners.